1: This is an exclusive audio presentation of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome.
1: We journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution want to take a minute to thank our subscribers. Because of your support, we were able to make this podcast available to everyone. Our reporting and local journalism is because of subscriber support of our newspaper. If you are not a print or digital newspaper subscriber, join us. Go to AJC.com and sign up today. Thank you and continue to follow our reporting in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com.
0: And this morning we're joined by AJC Political Insider columnist Patricia Murphy to talk about the busy week that was and all the fun that's to come. Patricia, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
0: I'm great. And look, we've both been really busy lately. Um, in the last couple of weeks I've been, well, the last couple of days I've been to Athens to San Antonio to Milledgeville, to South Carolina. Next I'm headed to Middle Georgia to cover more stories. I know you've been all around the state and you just wrapped up your big tour. Where has it taken you?
2: I did. Let's see. Well, I wrapped up in Blue Ridge, which is where House Speaker David Ralston lives. But I have been, I mean, I sort of lose track, but I've been definitely to um, Savannah, Brunswick, Columbus, Macon, Athens, Wrightsville, the home of Herschel Walker, and lots of places in between.
0: The fun never stops. And our (laughs) traveling is far from over because we have one more big stop just this week. That's the Georgia National Fairgrounds in Perry to see this guy. It's almost like he's a Democrat in disguise. Yeah, that is former (laughs) President Donald Trump. He's back in the state for the first time since his presidency ended.
1: By the way, Atlanta, they say, Mm -hmm. uh, if you talk about places like that, the level of cheating historically has been incredible. But this year, because of the mail-in ballot, they cheated more than has ever happened. Well, This is like a third world country...
0: And in Thursday's radio interview with John Fredericks, Trump is still playing the same hits from 10 months ago.
1: Kemp is a disaster. He's a disaster. He talks about election. He, he did everything he could to make sure that we lost the election.
0: That's, mm-hmm. I mean, he was terrible. The election was rigged, he says, falsely, and it's all Governor Kemp's fault. Oh, and, and Brad Raffensperger's too.
1: If things didn't take place in Georgia... Rathensburg would be popular instead if he can't even walk into a room. The people are smart. They knew election day that that election was rigged.
0: Look, this is what we've heard and seen for months now in Republican world in Georgia. This is a preview of what we're going to hear on Saturday when Donald Trump makes his big return to Georgia for the first time since the losing Senate runoff campaign. And Trump still dominates the Georgia GOP at every level from county organizations up into the highest levels of office, doesn't he, Patricia?
2: He does. He dominates this party in terms of uh, its base of supporters. Uh, But what I just still cannot get over is he is using both hands to punch the Republican governor of Georgia in the face. And he, in that same interview, um, said that the Georgia election bill that Republicans passed really to appease his voters was no good. He says that's a no good law raffensburger has got to go. Uh, Kemp is a disaster. And this is all just, in my opinion, um, just creating just this nightmare scenario that Republicans just lived through, where Donald Trump uh, was just hammering people within the Republican Party, and then Republican voters, as no surprise, just didn't come out to vote for them.
0: I think you're exactly right. You had hundreds of thousands of Republicans who didn't, who voted in the November general election for Donald Trump and didn't show back up in the runoffs, even when it got a billion dollars worth of attention, right? It wasn't like some low turnout affair. And this is the Republican nightmare scenario. And it also plays exactly against what Donald Trump wants too because he's endorsing all these down-ticket candidates and he needs the base to show up for them, right? And, but if he's telling the base, hey, don't vote for Governor Kemp, who's at the top of the ticket, what effect will that have? What effect will continue to talk about, falsely talk about a rigged election, a stolen election, election fraud? All these things that that, that bipartisan elections officials, that judges, that recounts and investigations have all showed were false, right? What effect will that have, especially when he's continuing to make those false claims?
2: Yeah, well, he even predicted in that interview that the base won't come out for Brian Kemp. And so you're at that point making the gamble that the base will come out to vote. And then they will just carefully go through the ballot and make sure not to vote for Brian Kemp, but to vote for all of the other Republicans who Trump supports on the ticket. Um, And it's uh, setting up a scenario, especially in Perry on Saturday, where you have these other Republicans standing on stage With Donald Trump, and then Donald Trump actively trying to defeat the Republican governor. And so that's gonna put. Um, I would think a huge wedge between those Republican candidates and the governor and all of these people are going to be trying to work together um, for the rest of this year in a special session and then going into 2022. So he is his own worst enemy. He is Republicans' own worst enemy in this scenario, but they can't live without him. So, you know, he's just literally the worst relative you've ever had if you're trying to get yourself seated at Christmas dinner.
0: (laughs) It's hard to say this doesn't confuse the Republican elected in Georgia for sure. And he's been, look, he's been on the score settling tour across the country that's brought him to other stops in other competitive states. But he's been singularly obsessed with Georgia. Of his 40 endorsements uh, around the nation in about two dozen states, three of them have come in Georgia. So um, among the most have come in Georgia. And he's also publicly disavowed four other Georgia Republican politicians. He has sent dozens of mass emails about Georgia and he has gone on the airwaves as we just heard talking about Georgia. He's been very involved in these endorsements are not just for Herschel Walker, you know, just for the big name candidates for U.S. Senate. He's been very involved down the ticket, including an endorsement for state Senator Burt Jones, uh, one of his loyalists in the Georgia Senate who's running for lieutenant governor. And we caught his rally earlier this week in Marietta, I seen a movement going on in
2: this state. People
1: are engaged. People are ready to push back. on. And a lot of people are angry because they want to know exactly. They want. They want an investigation of the 2020 election. Just a simple investigation.
0: Bert Jones might say he just wants a simple investigation, but we've heard many, many times what Donald Trump wants is not so simple. He wants to reverse the outcome of the election that's already been certified, that's already over, right? Something impossible. And he wants to uh, reverse the outcome and declare himself the victor.
2: Yeah. Well, also when we're talking about all we want is just a simple investigation, there have already been multiple complex investigations, including in the Georgia State Senate where uh, Bert Jones is a member. Um, and all of those investigations um, within the Secretary of State's office, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation has conducted, has conducted multiple investigations um, and they just have not come up with anything. And so then to just continue to beat this drum is really not about the last election. It's about the next, election. And I think that's what we're going to start to see this, the real wedge in the Republican Party is going to be um, relitigating the next election in order to get yourself elected the next time around. Um, That's going to uh, probably work with a Republican base um, with a number of these candidates, but other candidates are choosing not to do that. Um, Look, I talked to
0: Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, who's one of the few Republicans in Georgia and really around the nation who's spoken out Against this version of Trumpism and this relitigating, as you said, the 2020 election—that's exactly what he said—and um, I and I think it's what a lot of a lot of senior Republican officials are thinking privately. But the more the Republican electorate is hung up on what happened in 2020, the less they can focus on the 2022 midterms when the House is up for grabs, the entire House, and Republicans have a clear shot at. At retaking the house, of course, the Senate is back up for the for grabs, and big elections like Senator Raphael Warnock are on the ballot, and in Georgia, every statewide constitutional office is on the ballot, and and, and Republicans will be defending their complete control of Georgia statewide elected officials, and and when you go to these rallies and you hear a singular focus on Donald Trump, uh, it's got to be concerning. Um, to to a lot of Republican elected leaders, even if folks like Brian Kemp will never say so.
2: Well, yeah, I think that's exactly right. If you talk to um, some Republican leaders, what they'd really like to focus on are the issues. They'd really like to focus on the economy. Uh, They would really like to focus on Stacey Abrams and Democrats. Um, But the more that Donald Trump continues to talk about other Republicans, it just simply crowds out the time and space for conversation about anything else. And we saw this happen in 2020 when Donald Trump makes up his mind to talk about something. That's what the Republican base is going to talk about. Um, This is an election year where I think that uh, Democrats have a lot going for them. But uh, if Stacey Abrams ends up running, she is quite polarizing in the state and is quite galvanizing for Republican voters. Um, there are a lot of issues that Republicans, I think, could tee up to really energize their base. And the last election really just doesn't need to be one of them. But Donald Trump has no plans to let them move on.
0: And look, that brings us to one of the biggest reasons for Saturday's big show. It is Herschel Walker's debut political speech, in a major way for the Senate campaign that he entered about a month ago, Trump, Donald Trump, told John Fredericks that he is the one who convinced Herschel to run. He's a winner, and he is a patriot, and he's a conservative guy. You know, it's amazing. Remember, he used to stick
1: up for me. They called me a racist. He would say, "Do you think I'd have a racist for 25 years
0: as my friend?" And mm-hmm. you know, he was he was great. He's a great guy. And Donald Trump has high expectations for the candidate. I said he'll be a better senator than he was an athlete. Now
1: that's pretty hard to do, I think it would have to be the greatest senator that ever lived.
0: He also came and went on Sean Hannity's show this week, promising to be out and about this campaign, even though we haven't seen that yet. I want to hear what the people got to say. That's the reason why I decided that I want to get out and do this listening tour. I want to know what the people of Georgia are saying. I want to know what they feel, what's hurting them, what they think is a problem. So, Patricia, this is a listening tour that is very under the radar, a listening <laughs> yes. tour that me and you found out about, even though we knew there was some sort of listening tour coming. Me and you found out about it in the form of a statement responding uh, to a, 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 a unconnected story about Herschel Walker. Um, and that's part of his campaign. He knows he has high visibility. He knows he's up in the early polls on uh, the Republican primary. He knows he's avoided some bigger name Republican opponents that Gary Black, the agriculture commissioner, is his, his most formidable candidate in the race. And it f- seems like he feels like he can kind of run this under the radar campaign and not talk to reporters other than friendly Fox News interviewers and, and not have, you know, traditional campaign events with open press. I mean, these are these are from what we understand, the, the few events he's gone to are closed press, you know, meetings at factories. Uh, visits to, to to public schools, things like that, that are not exactly going to break any new ground on campaign territory.
2: Yeah, well, it is definitely the quietest listening tour we have ever seen in the history of politics. Um, I think it's smart for him to do this. Herschel Walker has not lived in Georgia since he was a teenager. And he needs to get up to speed on Georgia. He needs to get a to speed on Georgia voters. And uh, I think anybody who has not been in the political limelight or or the focus of a political limelight really would have a hard time coming right out of the gate and having public events and just jumping right in with both feet. It's a little late in the game for that. Typically, this kind of a listening tour would be going on maybe a year or six months ago, but I understand why they're doing it. Um, The problem for him, although I think this is going to work just fine in a Republican primary because of Donald Trump's strength and because of Herschel Walker's really just sort of embedded favorability with so many, um, especially older Georgia voters and Georgia Republicans, that is not going to work in a general election. That is not going to fly for two seconds among swing voters, among people looking to make a real decision for that Senate seat. He's going to need to really, really do a whole lot more in the future than he's been doing in the past.
0: Yeah, look, I think the philosophy is cross that bridge when we come to it, right? That he's, he's focused (laughs) first on the Republican primary and, and getting past Gary Black and getting past Kelvin King, getting past Latham Sadler, and then worrying about a really tough general against Raphael Warnock, who has a United Democratic Party behind him, who has a ton of money, and who has the, the power of incumbency um, would be really tough. But look, then again, you know, midterms are typically problematic for the, power, the party that's in charge. Uh, we saw just this, this week, who knows what it will look like next year at this time, but this week, Joe Biden's uh, favorability ratings have taken a plunge in the public polling, so maybe the strategy for Republicans is just pound away at Stacey Abrams and 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 Joe Biden and hope for the best.
2: Yeah, well, I think that we've seen so many of these races become nationalized. And um, it really does become a question of who do you want to control the Senate? Who do you want to control the national agenda? Um, I think this race is going to be a question about do you want to check on Joe Biden's power? And so um, in the presidency, and so as Joe Biden's poll numbers start to trickle down, um, that's a real problem for Democrats, even in the state uh, who don't have a lot to do with his agenda. Um, But certainly they were swept into office based on Um, Donald Trump's unpopularity. That was a totally nationalized election that we had here. And um, I think the nationalization, especially in those Senate races, is going to continue. So um, for Republicans, I think they're just trying to get themselves through this primary, get themselves through this process with Donald Trump and see what the national uh, spotlight and agenda looks like once we're closer to Election Day. But right now they need their candidates not making mistakes. They'd love their party to become more unified. And those are their biggest challenges right now.
0: And look, I think it's safe to say the governor's race will be nationalized as well. And yes. you can hear Donald Trump even make a prediction in the race for Governor Kemp's seat next year. He's
1: not going to be able to win the general election anyway because the base isn't going to show up. Well, right, right now when well, the Brian is,
0: Kemp has turned out to be a disaster. I mean, that, that is the pr- former president of the United States talking about the, 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 the governor he once embraced, the governor he endorsed in 2018, the governor who's done said nothing to disparage Donald Trump's agenda, has promoted Donald Trump's agenda, has promoted Donald Trump, saying that, hey, even if he makes it by past the primary, he still won't win the general election. So talk about mixed messages to your base. Hey, go out and elect Herschel Walker, but don't vote for the other Republican. Oh, He's my like, goodness.
2: Hey. I mean, this is, I think, what... Uh, lots of Georgia Republicans had feared. They were afraid of what Donald Trump was going to say about Brian Kemp. And to say that the base is not going to come out for him, that the Republican base will not come out for the governor, um, that is exactly what he said heading into those 2021 Senate runoffs. And that's exactly what happened. And um, they didn't lose because so many Democrats came out to vote against them. They lost because Republicans did not come out to vote for them, especially in the ninth district and the 14th district that are the most Trump Republican districts in the state. And so that was really a race that they lost more than what the Democrats won. Um, although the Democrats obviously get lots of credit for turning out their voters in a way that Republicans I don't know how you get, I don't know how you get yourself out of this mess. If you're a Republican, they've got time to do it. But if, if I was a Republican waking up this morning to that, I just would get back under the covers.
0: (laughs) Look, We've talked a lot about the Republican side of the ledger, the Democrats, you know, there, there's still a little bit of uncertainty about who's going to be the Democrat who opposes uh, Governor Kemp. Um, You know, we've said this on the show. I've said this in writing, Um, All signs are still pointing to Stacey Abrams. She is expected by senior Democrats to enter the race, um, but she's keeping mum about it. I went to San Antonio earlier this week to see the start of Stacey Abrams' nationwide tour. She still hasn't said what her plans are yet for 2022, but this is as close as we got to a hint. The
1: world is going to impact us one way or another. I'd rather be in
0: the arena
2: shaping the outcome. I'd rather be part
0: of the doing than being the done unto. I'd rather be in the arena shaping the outcome. I'd rather be part of the doing than the done unto. So, you know, look, it's hard to read the tea leaves too much, but we know that Stacey Abrams wants to be a president one day. We know that she wants to be in the executive branch. We know that she wanted to be governor in 2018. We know she spent 10 years rebuilding the state Democratic Party. We know that no other Democrat has even to me and you is even privately said hey i'm gonna run if 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 stacy abrams uh isn't um and we know that she's got a clear shot at a, at a divided republican party because she, the same trump audio that we just heard i can guarantee you she's heard the same thing and she knows there'll still be dissension in the ranks and look president trump is literally openly predicting that if Kemp is on the ballot she will be the governor so what does all that signal to you, Patricia?
2: Well, I think it's so interesting um, when she says she wants to be the arena, in the arena. I have no doubt that that's the case. And the question I think we all have is, does getting to the White House require going through the Georgia governor's mansion at this point? Um, she has already so surpassed where she was in 2018. She's really become this political And uh, sort of this force under herself, she's just she's so far beyond the state. In some ways, it's really hard to wrap your mind around um, in terms of the level of international exposure that she's gotten since the last time she was a candidate. And it all just comes down to what exactly she wants, um, and what I find. Really hard to wrap my mind around is that nobody seems to know exactly what she wants. We know she's got an apparatus around her. We know that she has people on staff who do her press, who make sure that she's out there, who are scheduling her. She has all the apparatus you would need to flip over to a governor's campaign. You could just as easily flip that over to a national campaign. And Georgia Democrats don't have a plan B. And one of the arguments I heard from a Democrat recently why they thought Stacey Abrams will run is that she wouldn't leave them without a candidate. And um, I think we'll have to wait and see. We know she used to want to be the governor, um, but uh, she's just not given any, any indications recently that that's exactly what she wants to do next. So we'll have to wait and see here.
0: And that's the hang up too, with, with the, that I think though too, someone who has spent a decade trying to rebuild democratic power in Georgia, who it got so close in 18 who saw in 2020, you know, the first of, of what could be a series of, of flips, and then would just kind of say, eh, never mind, and 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 let some other candidate play catch up against Governor Kemp? Because right now we know she could get in tomorrow, she could get in in, in February and raise, and raise enough money to to keep pace, if not surpass Brian Kemp in the first you know couple uh, first month or so of her campaign. But there's not a single other candidate in Georgia who could do the same thing. Raphael Warnock would be maybe the second in line to do that. And he's, he's already got a race of his own to worry about. So we've got a lot of talk to talk about in the next couple of weeks, Patricia, thank you so much for joining us and have fun on your next adventures as well.
2: Thank you. You too. Oh, oh my God. Charlie, I can't do this with you right now.
0: <laughs> you give me flashbacks. You know, I did, I did a TV hit yesterday and Charlie was just like, giving me that look like he's about to do it again. So I had to call my daughter home from a friend's house. I was like, you have to take Charlie now. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening.
1: Hip a product of black people. It's a product of black song.